Week five of the lockdown. Strange times we're living in. If you're listening from the future, how is it? Are you on hoverboards yet? Uh, I hope so. Actually, I'll tell you a story. This is quite embarrassing. A friend of mine, when I was in primary school, shout out to Stephen Ishmael, they used to go to America on their summer holidays. Whereas me and my mates who had Irish parents would go to um, Ireland for our summer holidays. And Steve went to the States once and I said to him, you know, when you're over there, I was about seven, would you mind uh, picking me up a hoverboard and I'll give you the money? Uh, now, if you don't know what I'm referring to, I'm referring to Back to the Future 2, classic movie. So he said, all right, um, well, listen, I'll tell you what, I'll get the hoverboard first for you and then you can just sort me out afterwards with the money. I said, oh, yeah, sweet. So suffice to say, the hoverboard never showed up. But fingers crossed, one day I'll be hovering around. Uh, But as for now, we don't have a hoverboard. What we do have is COVID-19. Boo, hiss, I know it's terrible. But let's make the best of it. And this is what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I can't meet anyone. I am doing all my podcasts via Instagram Live. But I'm recording them on this microphone. So hopefully it sounds decent. This podcast today with Adam Hoke is, or Adam Hock, uh, either or, depends where you're, you're, where you're from and how you say it, um, is, it, I, I had to tidy it up a little bit because we did it on Instagram Live, there was some technical difficulty, difficulties and some speaking difficulties um, by me mainly. So I've tied it up a little bit and it's come out pretty well. I'm, I'm fairly happy with it and I hope you are too. Let me give you a little preview as to what to expect. So Adam is someone I've um, admired for a while because he's taught online for a fairly long time with Movement for Modern Life. He's uh, at 500 hour ERYT. He's also a continued education provider. So he teaches teachers. And he was actually due to teach, and he is due to teach, a 200 hour with Adam Husler, who's been on this podcast a few times, and the well respected and well known senior yoga teacher, Jason Crandall. So speaking with Adam was a great chance to understand how we can take things online and do it in a way where we diversify. And Adam has been doing this, as I said, for a while, but he's also done things like audio meditations, um, audio classes, and he has an interesting way of doing that, which you'll find out later on. We also delve into things like you are not your thoughts. You are not defined by your thoughts. We talk about following the teachings as opposed to the teacher and to be skeptical in a healthy way of anyone who's too certain about their own ideas so it goes pretty deep and i hope you enjoy this podcast if you do you can leave a review on itunes you can also share it with a friend the next one uh, we've got a couple lined up there's one with jenny keen coming up and another guest to be confirmed but we're almost at 99 and episode 100 um so yeah oh by the way if this is your first time listening to this podcast my name's kevin and I'm the host. So uh, you can find me online, Kevin Ball Yoga, or on my website, kevinballyoga.ie. So that's it from me. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, please feel free to let me know to get in touch. If you'd like to practice with me online, every weekday evening, 7 p.m., you can find me on Zoom. Link is in my Instagram bio. Without further ado, here is the man, the gentleman, the lovely chap, Adam. Um, Adam, great to meet you, by the way. I know we've been trying to meet <laughs> for years and just something something keeps getting in the way and I can't come to Dublin or you're not there or I'm not there. And it's anyway, we're here now virtually. So this is exciting. You were due to come over um, like a few weekends ago, was it? Yeah. I, God, it seems like ages ago. But yeah, just a few weekends ago, I was, I was supposed to come. Um, so hopefully I will get to come this year. We will yeah. see. It, but I, I would imagine that um, the transition for you to online teaching has, hasn't been too uh, difficult because 
<clears throat> I first heard about you through Adam Hasler, mm-hmm. and I looked at your website and I was like, um, in in relation to you, I was thinking this guy is 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 doing everything like as in like you're doing even things like audio meditations, which is a brilliant idea, or audio classes, um, and you're not. Because I, I, I used to think at the start, I remember when I first started yoga teaching, I said to, I think I might even said it to Adam Hasler, I said, um, do you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about emailing Yoga Glow and Allo Moves. Like, mm-hmm. I sound like a crazy person. <laughs> like, and just see if they need any more teachers. And yeah. I think Adam said in the most, uh, with as much compassion as possible, uh, no one really knows you. Yeah, I didn't say it in those words, but it's like they kind of hire, you know, famous like well-known teachers yeah and i thought oh okay that's it so i'm the online thing is not going to happen for me but then i looked at other people's websites one of yours included yours included and i thought you can basically do it yourself if you have um the equipment and uh you have the means to like a website to put it out um how so can you can you kind of talk me through i don't want to use the word journey but (laughs) you let's call it a journey it sounds really exciting and Okay. Uh, well, I, I started my teacher training program about 10 or so years ago. And when I started the teacher training, along with that, I started a website and I started a blog. I was very comfortable with public learning, meaning I would be writing about something I was trying to figure out or documenting my practice and mistakes I was making. And I was really, I, I enjoyed that process. And for me, writing out something was a way of figuring stuff out. So I, I just enjoyed that. So I had all that blog content, and I still have it going back a decade. About five or so years ago, I had given up uh, a public class, and I thought, well, I have this time now on Mondays. Um, what could I do with it? And I had been thinking about it for a while because I knew that I was skilled enough with my verbal cueing that people could just listen to it and do a class because I knew because I would just stand in front of the class and not demo and walk around and talk mm-hmm. and people could follow it. So I knew I could deliver that. And I thought, well, why not? I'll, I'll record a class. I will have no expectation about this except let me do something nice for my students. Let me give them some content that I think will keep them engaged with me. Mm-hmm. No expectation of making any money. But I saw it as what I would do instead of tons and tons of social media or other things online or other forms of advertising, I would just record the content I was already making live in class. And I did it sort of on the cheap and I've done it on the cheap for a long time. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just put this out there for free and, and see what happens. And what happened is it became very, very popular with my students and it kept students engaged with me even if I didn't see them for a few months and months and months or even a year, they'd come back and say, I've been practicing with you every day. Or like my family and I were on holiday in Bali and we were on you know, the beach with the sunset practicing with you. And this, they'd be telling yeah. me this in the, de- in the dead of winter in London. <laughs> but it just, it made me feel good. So I, I thought like, I know that what I do in the classroom is only one point of contact between me and students. And I think it's the most important one, which is why I'm feeling a little crazy right now because we don't have it. But it's one point of contact that's the most important is the in class. And then there are so many other ways for me to engage with students. And if they're not gonna do it with me, they're gonna do it with somebody else because the world exists partially online. So Mm. I wanted to give my students online stuff with me. Uh, And the audio seemed like, all right, I, I can do this without much fuss mm. unless i misheard you recorded while you were teaching a class your audio yeah so i've done it in a few ways over the years uh, i started just i had a semi-decent microphone not even a lapel one at that point and just sat in my kitchen and did a practice in a chair as simple as can be and, and talked into the microphone and did a very simple edit of it and put it on uh iTunes, whatever it was then. Uh, So I did a lot of, and I started developing that stuff at home. And then I thought, well, I can just do a voice memo from my phone while I teach a class, which is just crap quality. But I I did that. And I thought, well, people actually practice with that. So then I started, I got a lapel microphone 
and started mm. recording as I teach because it does it doesn't bother me. It's just there. No one knows it's there. I put the little recorder mm. in my pocket. I teach the classes I normally would, mm. uh, and I'm just usually when I'm recording something in the classroom, I'm conscious that I'm not doing a 20 minute demonstration or getting out 5,000 props. Uh, and I might be more conscious of like, don't turn towards the clock, turn towards the right and that type of stuff. But otherwise it would just be a normal class. So I've, mm -hmm. I record live stuff, I record stuff at home. Uh, and I, I think people really like the live stuff because it just, they, they feel like they're practicing with other people. And always mm -hmm. when I record at home, I do it. So I, could, I can't think of anything just worse than me having a script and talking into the computer, leading mm -hmm. people through sun salutations. Because I, I like the feeling like we do it together. So I've yeah. always done it that way. It's so funny because I, uh, I like the fact that, um, say like I really like watching Dice E. Decline. Are you familiar with Dice? Oh yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Yeah, that is, um, I love watching his yoga go classes. Sometimes I'll like watch them just just watch them just to learn and i love the fact that you know he's sweating he's out of breath he's still trying it and he's trying to keep his composure but having a bit of fun with it yeah. and this it's a bit like there's a chap called joe you know joe wicks in the uk uh, i know the name yeah they call him like the body coach and he's the guy who does the 15 minute meals but he he got really famous for um doing the workouts with you at home doing youtube workouts but he himself would be like struggling to get through them as opposed to someone like okay guys do this and it's something you know or someone goes into a full splits and acts as if it's like nothing and you're there you know struggling yeah so that 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 i i didn't re realize it but that seeing how that way to deliver online classes has really helped me to um be a bit more open not having to feel like i need to be composed all the time but instead because i don't know i don't know how you feel about this i'll ask you in a second but <clears throat> i am now demonstrating everything i'm basically doing the class with the people as i stream them yeah. and I, it's <laughs> i'm not That's used to brutal. that brutal yeah because i mean we can <laughs> talk about because i've done i've done filmed video classes so that became another that's a whole other conversation um, and filming that and talking through that, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Um, mm. Now on the Zoom classes, I'm trying to not demonstrate because I just know, like physically, mm. I cannot. I can't do it. I can't. I can't do that and teach a class and you know walk the next day and feel good. <laughs> the the upside of that could be that if everyone's got their camera on and you've got that grid in front of you, you can actually see people and then advise them. But do you, when, you, when, you, when you do your Zoom and you don't do the movements, do you ask people to turn their cameras on then? Or how do you navigate that? I mean, it's hard. I, I encourage people to use their cameras, but of course it's a privacy thing. Um, and, and when I've taken Zoom classes, I turn that camera right off. I don't want to, yeah. I just want to do my thing. Um, mm. But I, I'm approaching the Zoom thing. Of course, we're beginners in trying to learn how to teach on Zoom. So yoga teachers, we are beginners. We're trying to figure this out and figure out how to use this platform well, because I think it's very different than just recording a static class. Uh, so we're beginners. And also, I think the students are beginners of learning how to interact with it and take a yoga class on Zoom. So we're all beginners, and I'm still trying to figure this out. Everyone's trying to figure this out. But I'm trying to think about what can I do on Zoom that will really use that platform well, rather than can I just replicate my studio yoga class uh, and then end up having to demonstrate tons of stuff. So I'm changing the way I sequence a little bit. And I really, I like watching. I like to yeah. see and I, I want to be able to interact with students. And it's very hard to because of, you have to have the camera so far away from the mat to get the full frame, I feel like I'm like 10,000 miles away screaming at a computer and I, I don't know what's happening. So I'm trying to create sequences that I can teach just verbally. Do you, what, what's your microphone system or do you use the mic on your laptop? Uh, I, <laughs> I'm trying to improve it. So yeah, there have been a lot of orders of new microphones and equipment <laughs> and usually I order it and then I realize I need an adapter or it's, 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 I'm terrible. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure it out. The, I am using the laptop microphone at the moment and it's, you know, it's, it's fine, 
But I think what's happening that we all have to realize is this is going to be what we're doing for the foreseeable future. And I think it's going to mm. permanently disrupt the industry. I don't think we're going to go straight back to just studio classes and then static film classes and whatever audio podcasts. I think now this world of yoga in a, in a video conference platform is going to exist. So I have to start thinking and we all have to start thinking about how can we maximize the quality of just the, mm. the delivery of the visual and the audio uh, and the spaces mm -hmm. in which we do it, but we also have to think about what what can be done well in this platform. How can we help people connect? How long of a class can we do? What types of things can be instructed well? I mean, I could I could talk for days instructing how people should move their scapula in a chaturanga and you know rotation, but I can't see a damn thing. I see like a ponytail in someone's bookshelf. <laughs> Should I be going on about that? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm trying to think. What can I do that I can actually have an interaction with people and 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 make it feel like something has transpired and a yoga class has happened and we've we've gone through some sort of process. Um, mm. So I'm having to let go of some of of my micromanagement of alignment because I just I I can say the words but I don't know what happens. Uh, and I think because it's an interactive platform and not just a, a static like this, con I'm giving you this content and you do with it what you want because it's interactive and should be, I, I want to be responsible for what, how people use what I give them. Yeah, I see you clearly too. We should answer Gemma's question here. Do you, Adam, do you carry out individual verbal adjustments? Okay, yes. Yes, I do. So if I see people in the screen doing something cuckoo, or if like I see like oh that shoulder can be moved in a certain way I will I will call them out but what I what I am doing at the very beginning of class is saying all right this is a new platform I'm not going to be demonstrating much and I clearly I can't go around and physically adjust you but I am going to be watching you and if I think you could benefit from some adjustment I will call you out by name and it'll sound a little bit like school and I might have to use your full name, but this is this is how it is. So be prepared for that because this is my learning environment. But I just I, I'm really trying to manage expectations every step of the way and really signpost everything I'm going to do so people know how to interact with it and know what to expect. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. You can't be subtle about it in the Zoom environment. You have to say the person's name. At least not for the moment. Um, but you were talking. You were talking about workshops before and the length length of workshops. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what, do you, what do you think about the hour and a half versus two hour? I I think that staring at a screen is uh, it's a long time to ask someone to be there for an hour and a half to two hours without a break. I think especially now because it's all we're doing. So that's my feeling. But because uh, I've had to do this because we are now doing a, a 200 hour teacher training online um, in my home studio here. So the way I've been approaching it is I really do not think it's going to be great for people to do not over 90 minutes straight through of the same mm. thing. But I would say, well, why don't we do uh, a 60 minute practice or a 75 minute practice, take a break for five, 10 minutes, go get your cup of tea, and then let's have 30 minutes of Q and A or an hour lecture and some Q and A. I, I think it just needs to be broken up into chunks because it's just, a, it's just a long time on the attention span on the eyes to be staring at a computer. And I think it's not, not great for people's nervous systems either. And it goes back to like, can we actually do the, the detailed quality in, in, in this platform we're still trying to figure out? Mm. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, as you said, it, it, it's, uh, maybe it'd be nice to kind of be able to A-B test it to do like a 90 minute one, a, a two hour one and see which one's proven more popular. That's quite difficult because, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it is, I, I, what you're saying is, is, is um, very valid. I didn't really think about that. Someone here, uh, this chap, where's, oh, Des, sorry. How long have you two been practicing? Adam? 
I have been practicing uh, since I was about 18 years old. So that's 20 plus years now, but it's gone through uh, a variety variety of, yeah, you're doing the math. I see it. I see it in the eyes. Um, it's been a variety of forms. So I spent about 10 years practicing before I thought about being a teacher, which was the right process for me. Um, so and I've been mm. teaching for the past 10 years. How about you, Kevin? I was 30 when I first started yoga and it was actually with the yoga hub who I, who I do the teacher training for now. And um, it was very much the guy who owns Yoga Hub, uh, Matt Quigley, they're, they're like the biggest yoga studio in Dublin yeah. now, very successful. And yeah, it was with him. I just walked in and it was like small room. Uh, I was kind of, I'd never, I didn't realize men did yoga, you know, he, and he was the teacher. And um, <laughs> it, it took a while to get used to it though. It took a while, you know, I, I, I don't know. Did you, how did you find your, your first experiences with yoga? I, I always enjoyed it from the onset, but it was hard for me. My body does not naturally do yoga, uh, which is why like uh, Adam Hustler is my buddy, but it drives me crazy. His, his body wants to do yoga. His body wants to bend and rotate and do all those things. Mine does not. So it, it has been a tough slog over the years to figure out how can my body do yoga uh, without breaking and without my ego getting really bruised. Um, so it was tough, but I was fortunate that I found the right teachers. And of course I found Jason Crandall uh, about 10 years ago so, as well. So that, that really helped me find a practice. You met Jason 10 years ago. Yeah. So like right early on in my teacher training, I went to uh, a yoga journal conference when I was visiting my family in Florida. Uh, and he, you know, walked in with his like skater shoes and, and we yeah, met and I mean, after that, it was just like, that was it. I was gonna study with this dude and, and it really resonated with me the way physically the practice, uh, but the way he structured it and delivered it was just, it was always right for me. What, what is it about Jason that you, that resonated with you compared to other people? Uh, I think, the physical accessibility was really important for me. Like he knew, cause his body also does not naturally want to do yoga and he had to figure it out. Um, so he was so meticulous in, in making uh, the step-by-step -step process to, to physically access all these types of postures that if I didn't have a guide like him, I never would have figured out and I probably would have given up long ago. So that was really important, but just his directness and the fact that it was, it was, so much, there was so much spiritual undercurrent underneath everything he was doing. Uh, it was so passionate, but he, it was all sort of implicit. Like he trusted the yoga that we didn't have to make a spectacle out of everything. It was just like, here is it. I know I trust in this process. I'm going to teach it well, and you're going to feel the effect. Uh, and that just is always, I, I just like the directness. Um, and the, like the no fuss, it's like, let's get to it. Let's go through this practice and we know it works. Plus he's funny and I just like someone who has a sense of humor. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I think I what put me off yoga at the start was how serious it was and the fact that the person... Oh God, yes. <laughs> now I'm not talking about Matt, I'm talking about... Because I, I went to loads of different studios, loads of different teachers and I thought, no, I'm going to try everyone. But I found the general um, th uh, theme was that people took themselves very seriously and their word was gospel. You know, everything they said was they would be quoting, say, some ancient scriptures. Uh, and I'm, I feel like I, I didn't I felt like there's yeah. a disconnect here between what the person's saying and them. And then sometimes you meet someone, maybe for you, it was probably Jason. For me, it was Dice. And you're like, oh, I this person has approached it from a, a more authentic angle. Um, I mean, well, I've never met Jason, but I've only, I've seen a lot of him online. And what I really love about him, if you don't know Jason Crandall, is uh, he's almost kind of, and this is a compliment, but he's kind of, he has a healthy, not skepticism, but um, uh, he questions everything. And nothing is, oh, this is the way it is because it is. And he's he's happy with revisiting yeah. things that he's said in the past and, and questioning himself. 
And um, I, I, I think that's when you see someone do that, you just trust instantly happens, you know. Um, but now, now you're doing a 200 hour with him and Adam Husler. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed that in August we will be able to do a tutor training. Um, so who knows? But yeah, that 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 is the hope and that is the plan, um, which is really exciting for me to be able to teach um, with him because I've been assisting him and so is Husker for, for several years now. Uh, so that that's exciting to be treated as a colleague and I, I can't wait to learn and, and, and grow from that experience. And I think it... I'd, like what you said, Jason is a skeptic. I don't think we need to make skeptic to sound like a negative term. I think skepticism is extraordinarily healthy and should be encouraged in all things, which is very different than cynicism. But I think skepticism is extraordinarily healthy. And he's always, he's always taught from that place and from his teachers and and. Another reason I resonated with Jason was because he came in, the first time I met him, with uh, a book from the same Buddhist teacher that had interested me, and I was, I was studying with that lineage in New York, and I was like, I knew. But one of the things in that, um, from that teacher and that lineage was skepticism and that you have to go through this process. It's not, you don't just receive it. You gotta like test it out. Uh, otherwise, it's not, not yours. So I think I really, do not trust people, I say this often, I do not trust certainty in anything because I think that nothing is certain. Nothing is, I mean, we're definitely feeling that now, uh, but if you are certain about your beliefs, I think, mm, I, don't, I don't trust it. I think fundamentalism, I think someone who's not willing to change when evidence comes the other way is not willing to, to play around when things aren't working and it, it becomes an attachment. So I. Yeah, that that's why I've always resonated with Jason and, and Hustler too. It's just like let's this is a process, and we got to learn from this, and like keep questioning and participate in it. Uh, and and as teachers, we we try to teach from that place, and we're practicing from that place, and we want to teach other teachers to always rigorously question what they're doing and the intentions of it. Mm. Yeah. Um... But it can be a, a, a balancing act when you're questioning everything that you're still um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're still reassuring the people that you're teaching that to some degree you know what you're talking about. I, I think um, that that can be a difficult one because when you're leading a class, you you need to carry yourself in speaking a way that people are like, okay, this person's got it. They they know what they're doing. They're leading the class. I can just pretty much follow yeah um because i i found i did that at the start when i was teaching my insecurities about my knowledge would creep out in in subconscious ways so i would say like for example um, i'd put myself down in front of the students like play thing, things down my knowledge and i think like to some degree that's endearing but to another if you if you don't read the room it can make you seem weak what do you, you think i know i think you have to be confident but you don't want to be, be arrogant so i think you have to walk in like like people you want people to trust you that you're going to take them on this journey but i think that's 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 different like you come in with a plan and say we're going to try this i don't know what's going to happen we're going to try it i've tested it out i'm going to give you these inquiries these things to play with i've done it so i think it's going to feel good Let's see how it goes. If it doesn't work for you, it's fine. We're going to do something different next week. And I don't, I'm not going to want to get attached. And every instruction I give is like, let's try this this week. Yeah, next week we'll do it different. It's, just, it's always an investigation to me. Mm -hmm. it's not, I think it's nothing certain. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think the problem is when you come in thinking like, this is the way. I have received this. This is the way. I received this from my teacher 20 years ago. This is still the way. Uh, if it does, it's not the way for you. You're wrong, like that. That, and I think people sometimes are like that because they just they like the certainty. They they cling to the certainty because it it makes a, a chaotic world make sense. But it's just not. We got to get comfortable with things being unpredictable, uh, constantly shifting, uh, and that that's how it is. Yeah. If if um, just referencing back to 
the Buddhist teacher. Was that Michael Stone by any chance? Um, no, for me, I was I was not wanting to mention it because it's it's Chogum Trungpa Rinpoche, uh, which is the Shambhala lineage, and he's uh, his he died many many years ago, but his reputation uh, has been tarnished lately in the predictable ways. Um, so oh. unfortunately, uh, his wealth of teaching is now clouded by uh, his terrible behaviors which is still resonating throughout the Shambhala world and the people who are still alive. So that, that, that is a, another conversation, like what do you do when the lineage that is so important to you falls apart? How do you separate the teachings from the um, fallible uh, human who delivered it? Um, and that, yeah, I'm still sorting that out for myself. But I really believe in the teachings, Yeah. That's a hot. That's not a hot topic. Just the wrong way to phrase it. But that's um, now that we're living in the age of the internet, where I think everyone can broadcast at a, a touch of a button. People, you know, I'm sure there was things that went on before the internet that we never are going to know about. Uh, powerful people that did things that, you know, say for example, Elvis is massively admired by everyone. Elvis is the king. If Elvis was around now, he had the internet or TMZ were following him. Yeah. How would we feel about Elvis? Or, or anyone like that. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. And I think, I think just to like rein this in, like let's say two things. One, if people misbehave, they should be punished and we should discuss it seriously, like, like Chogum Trungpa Rinpoche and whatever else person who's done terrible things. But as yoga teachers and as students, I think we need to make sure that we identify not with the person delivering the content, and we do not get attached to the person giving the content and think that the person delivering the teachings or whatever is, is changing us, that it's about that. It's really about how we as individuals interact with these teachings, some of which are, are you know, centuries, thousands of years old. How do we interact with them? It's our process. We own it. We go through it. Someone might give us you know, some guidance and some tools and the right questions, but that process is ours and we can't let anyone else own it. Mm. And we should really do not trust, do not trust people who, who own it for us and, and try to like, uh, Judith Lassiter, uh, who's a fantastic teacher, says it, it's like you're, you're stealing someone's gold. You're holding on to their treasure as a teacher if you just try to control the process. Like, like give it back, it's theirs, it's theirs. <laughs> like, we don't want people to identify and attach to us. Yeah. I mean, we say in yoga, you are not your thoughts, you know, and any anything that I will say to someone that I've learned and I pass the information on, I am not tied to that information. It doesn't define me as a person. You know, I, I six months mm -hmm. later, I may learn new information and then change. So I think uh, it's important to understand that I suppose we are vessels, information moves through us, but we're not, we don't have to be be tied to that um i am finding though that to bring it back to online teaching i'm finding an extra pressure <laughs> in teaching online because especially doing pre-recorded content because i think once you push that button to go to youtube you can never take it back so if you say something that's that's you look back on in six months ago that's completely wrong or <laughs> i you, you know it's it's there forever yeah. as an archive but um um, do, you, do you experience like um, do you experience that kind of publishing anxiety? Yes, and you want to be really careful that you're not saying things that unnecessarily like piss people off or offend people or you know I, I'm trying to be conscious of that. But at some point in time, I had to accept that I am okay with learning in public. I am okay with changing my mind. I am okay with someone looking back. Uh, to uh, something I wrote four or five years ago or recorded four or five years ago and thinking, he's not saying that now, he's saying the opposite. Like, I'm okay with that because I accept that it's okay to grow uh, and change. I also think like, I don't get paid enough to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> really. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just yoga. Uh, you know, and, and I, I've had these moments where I'm, I have like six lights and two cameras on me recording something and I'm thinking, 
oh, does, how does my lunge look right now? Does my lunge look crappy? Are people going to judge? And I think, who cares? Who cares? I'm, I'm doing this because I'm trying to help people. Uh, I will make mistakes, uh, but I hope people recognize the impulse is really just about you know, trying to help. Mm. So if you want to hate on me, if you want to like go back and think that's crap, that's all you. Go for it. Mm. How how have you found the um, when it comes to the dynamic of say pre-recorded content? Do you and you've got two cameras going? Do you find that you uh, like do you edit it or do do you do it in one take or how how does how does it work normally? So the what I'm talking about is I do video classes for Movement for Modern Life. Yeah. So I've done that and I've also done my own sort of online courses at home. So I've recorded some video stuff for that. Um, so I knew that with the video stuff and the video classes, I wanted really high quality and I wasn't going to be able to do that myself. Um, so that's, that's why I was very happy to work with Movement for Modern Life because they would bring all the professional video cameras and and engineers and sound and lights and and do it really well and edit it really well and and so I, I was really pleased that I could offload that uh, and and just really be proud of the product mm. yeah the, the only downside of that though is that now in the situation we're in it's like every man every woman for herself you know because we have to do everything ourselves now um, so it's yeah, I, I it's weird because when you work for yourself and you're so, and you, you're solo, you can outsource some things, but then you have to weigh up like what do I outsource, what do I not outsource, um, and what value could it be for me to learn this skill? So for me, it's audiovisual. Like my audiovisual game is pretty good, I would say, because I've torn my hair out for months, months trying to figure it all out uh editing this this type of thing but yeah. the upside of that is that now i'm in a situation where i can't see meet anyone so i can do it all myself so that 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 is the the um the upside um but it's it's the um i actually want to ask you about about kind of being a one not a one man uh but being a, an entrepreneur and about instagram because this is that what i want to talk to you one thing i want to talk to you about you've only just this is what's going to come up. You've only just joined Instagram, and yeah. So I'm interested to hear your opinion because um, you know, you're in, you're in, you're, yeah. a, you're a smart yeah. man. You've got um, an MA, a, a master's, all right. You've got you know you're an educated guy, and maybe you've looked at Instagram yeah, yeah. In, a, in an analytical way and thought, I don't know what what was your reason or reasons for de delaying it so long before you joined this platform. They're listening. Instagram are listening, by the way. Well, I <laughs> I re resisted. Yeah, I I resisted for a very long time, and I can tell you why. Which is, I have been on the internet since I was eight years old. Okay, chatting away on all sorts of platforms, and at some point in time, I just think like enough is enough. I I don't I don't want to do any. I don't want to learn any new platform. And also, like, I spent so much of my life trying to get people to like me. <laughs> I thought, I don't, need a, I don't need another platform where I'm just trying to get people to like me. Um, the larger concern for me, which still is there, is I thought, all right, as yoga teacher, my job is to teach people embodiment. It's to teach people self-compassion. Um, it is to teach people how to downregulate their nervous system. And you come into something like Instagram or other online platforms and it's disembodied. Uh, it is about comparing yourself with others. And it's just constantly like all the like uh, stimulation and reward, stimulation and reward, likes and comments and this. And it's sort of programmed to like make you crazy uh, <laughs> and addicted. So I thought, oh, this is, this is tough. So I got, so I, I still feel that way. Uh, but I found myself really... I was getting attached and very certain about my resistance. So I thought, well, let me, let me play around with it and, and see if I can have a light touch with this. Because I had to realize I am running an online business. 
And if I'm running an online business, I have to be online in the marketplace and visible. So I have to, I sort of have to go where the people are uh, if I want to be a person who sells yoga content online, which I am. Mm. So I thought, all right, I can go into this place and I'm going to go in not giving a crap how many people like me or follow me because I, I just, I don't care. I really don't care. Uh, and I'm, all I'm going to do here is deliver content I think is important to the people who want to interact with me. And because I knew people were talking about me on Instagram already because I would go around the country doing workshops and whatnot and people would tag me, but there'd be nothing to tag. So I thought if people want to talk about me and interact with me, I will be there. But I'm not going to get attached to having a, you know, a million followers and you know, like, like mm. battling it out with Kim Kardashian. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, what's funny though, um, is that I've had people on my podcast who've got um, 200,000 followers and then they'll get 200 listens. I've had people on the podcast who have 5,000 followers, 200 followers, and they'll get a thousand listens. So it doesn't always add up. Sometimes your popularity is down to you got a six pack, you got a big backside, you've got whatever. Yeah. You you you're um, yeah. you know you're selling snake oil or you, you know you're you're a huckster or whatever. You have something that you're promising a quick fix about something maybe, and therefore there is a kind of superficial connection. And people don't necessarily want to spend time listening to you speak. For the people out there thinking about buying followers, do not do it. I know the algorithm said, right, you've bought followers. So now as punishment, when you, we're not yeah. going to give you much traction on any of your content. So you're better to have uh, a thousand law followers, as Kevin Kelly says in Kevin Kelly's A Thousand True Fans, that brilliant essay, um, than a hundred thousand superficial followers who are following you because you look nice. Yeah. I want other yoga teachers to hear this. You cannot have an Instagram account, like full stop. But also you cannot have an Instagram account and have full classes. You can go around the country and sell out workshops. You can have classes online and you can have a happy, healthy life. And you can have private clients that give you money and help pay your mortgage. But I, you, you, you don't need you like you don't need Instagram for that. You don't. All you need to do is be a good yoga teacher and connect to people and and get out there with your content and build your reputation. And you can do it in a variety of ways. But I think if the the realization I'm coming to is like if you want to sell content online, you got to go into the online marketplace. And like let's face it, this this is mostly a marketplace that we are in. In this, like, this is not just a public square. Uh, uh, we're we're in a in a corporate environment, and people are buying and selling our content and our private information. Mm. So, I if you want to sell stuff online, go into the marketplace, but just do it do it lightly and 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 enjoy it, and hopefully, give some good stuff. That's how I feel at the moment. I may change my mind, and you know, like in a week, I might delete it all. Who knows? <laughs> burn it all down um yeah I'm, I'm conscious that we only have 10 minutes so this is the time where people have questions please ask them um but the the whole it i was fascinated by you because i seen how successful you were without an instagram account and i had debated in my head for years uh should i join it should i not join it i deleted my facebook account because uh I don't know say, but yeah, I'll say. But I, I was, I was dumped by this, dumped by someone, and I took it so badly. I was like, right, I'm going to delete Facebook. Okay, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be left. You know, when you're kind of like seeing their pictures, like, okay. oh, they're with someone else. I wonder if they're a friend. And you just think, what am I doing? So <laughs> I felt the same about Instagram. Would I go down yeah. these rabbit holes of looking at people I used to know and be like, oh, you know, what if, or comparing myself? But now my my approach to Instagram is, well, firstly. Um, I mean, you're you're lucky, not lucky, but you you have beautiful photographs, really nicely taken professional photographs. But I was very insecure that my photos were crap, basically, and um, and that I about how I looked and stuff. And 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 now I post the picture. I don't even think about it. To me, my image now is like an extracted icon of me. It's not actually it doesn't even feel like me. And therefore, I'm not really attached to it. If people slag me off, 
I just kind of, I just do, a, I either do a thumbs up or I'll say thanks for the feedback. I, I would never engage in, do you, do you ever get trolls as they say? Uh, I, I'm, I have in the past, but it's just like, just let those people have their weird kicks and just delete the comment. I just, I'm not going to engage, engage mm. with that. Um, but with with the photos, like it is like people feel very vulnerable putting their own photos online. But how I always feel about it is the photo should represent uh, either things you teach and that will people will encounter in class, or are representative of the internal states that you're trying to generate in the class. They should be evocative of of who you are as a yoga teacher, and that. that like, don't get hung up on, like, I got to have the perfect um, Penchamaya Asana or whatever it is. Mm. Although I say that because I, I, I sort of dared Hustler to do a Penchamaya Asana, not Penchamaya Asana, Maya Asana photo with me. And I think mine's a little better than his. <laughs> That's just my ego showing up. <laughs> but, but, but also as well, um, although you don't need to be doing the perfect poses, I do think it's nice to have a tasteful feed. Not just nice, sorry, but... Maybe I'm off on this, but I think that I assume if I was a yoga studio and I had a chance to look at someone on Instagram who I may invite to come and teach a workshop, I feel like, okay, this teacher is going to bring X amount more students to my workshop uh, than my studio that already come. And therefore, their Instagram or their website is like their little shop window. And it kind of, their, if their brand lines up mm -hmm. with mine or complements mine, it's going to help as opposed to if they got an Instagram, the yoga teacher and half the pictures of them, like, I don't know, out drinking and the other half of them um, doing something that's not actually um, doesn't support their teachings and their message. I think that is really damaging. For, I assume for um, a brand, they're not their brand, their image. And when I say brand, I mean, Seth Godin says this brilliantly, your brand is your promise. It's what you're saying people can expect from you. And I, I love that because the word brand sounds kind of dirty when you talk about it in the, in the context of yoga because it sounds businessy. But it, it, I think it, it's yeah. really important that when people come to your classes, our classes as teachers, we can say, look, no matter how I'm feeling, what happened to me five minutes before the class started or what's going on in my personal life, I promise you I'll deliver to a certain standard or do my best to try. And um, I think that, uh, in, as you said, in an inconsistent world, uh, although you, can be, you don't have to be consistent with your thoughts, you have to be consistent with your delivery. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think the brand and how you present yourself on Instagram or whatever and your website or your photographs should be an honest account of who you are as a teacher and what you are teaching and should also be signaling like who who you want your student to be and what you think you have to offer them and it, like I, it maybe even be Seth Godin too who also talks about like the the star of any marketing content should be the student you're trying to get or the customer you're trying to get mm. you as teacher should not be the star of the content. Your bio is not about you. Your bio is saying, I, I do this for you, the student. This is what I have to offer to you, the student, the customer, the client, mm. the person who's gonna pay for the workshop. I'm signaling through this language and this photograph what I have to teach you. And so I think that becomes a much more uh, nicer and, and um, agreeable way of creating content. It's like, this is not about me showing off or saying how great I am and like, how, like, come to my workshop because I can do the beautiful photo and like, I have the shaved, you know, oiled chest and, you know, the beautiful <laughs> beach behind me. It's like, I don't care. It's like, no, I, I am the person going to say, I want to teach you these things. So I think they're important. Uh, and I think you will benefit from them in this way. And then, the language of your content supports that and the types of photographs and whatever how the way you build your website and all the stuff you deliver mm. is is really about you communicating to a student and the marketing is not like just so i can make money it's so i can meet the right students to receive what i have to offer and that's mm. that's really what matters and of course there are business interests with that but 
I always think this is a service. I am offering service to students because this isn't a big money career. I'm doing this because I believe in it. Uh, and I, I want to be able to do it well and, and be matched with the right people who I think need it. Mm. That's a great point. And I love that about the bio. It's like people, we all think instinctively, what can this person do for me? That's like what, as opposed to what can they just do? Um, there's a, a, a brilliant guy called Alain de Botton who runs the School of Life. And he does yeah. brilliant, like, you know, layman's philosophy. But he says, and speaking to your uh, marketing and also to Adam Husler's, um, you, you're, you have very, very good taste. Very, it's very, very um, yeah, it's just really good taste. And, and he says, Alan, Alain says, um, style, I don't want to butcher this quote, but it's something like style is your, uh, your effort to communicate and persuade or something like that. So in other words, if you're conscious of... Uh, how you come across, how the colors you use, the wording you use, the tones, the whole image, you're showing that you're eager to communicate with people as opposed to just lash this up, you know, any photograph will do and uh, just copy and paste the bit of philosophy for what I got from, from somewhere else. Um, so I think style, although it sounds like it's superficial, is actually... Um, really important in terms of communicating of course yeah i mean you, you have to just be able to communicate what you're about and you have to do it in a variety of forms mm. and you know if you're a business person you got to be able to do it in your marketing mm -hmm. or you got to find people to help you do that if you want to have a business mm. uh, but it's it's all it's all part of the package deal yeah absolutely um so going forward then adam um oh shit we only got one minute two minutes going forward um so the 200 hour with sorry the 200 hour with uh, jason and adam is hopefully going ahead so fingers crossed for that um what's what's next for you yeah. then uh well it's a lot of online content i created an online course because i figured i'd be home for a while so i have an online course i have the online video classes uh, and the audio classes and of course the zoom classes all delivered from my living room <laughs> Nice, man. Well, um, that's an absolute, it's been a pleasure. And um, hopefully we get to see each other when you're over next in real life. And um, yeah, thank you to everyone who, who joined us. This will be available if you have only listened to part of it and you'd like to listen to it in its entirety, entirety uh, this Thursday on my podcast with Adam. So any closing words, Adam? Uh, just guys, it's okay to be freaked out. But just take care of yourselves. <laughs> it's okay to not be okay. Uh, and it's okay not to be the perfect yoga teacher. We're all learning. Uh, so just, you know, talk to your friends and try to take care of yourself. Well said. Brilliant, Adam. Listen, pleasure. Uh, we'll we'll uh, end the broadcast now. And um, thank you for the inspiration. Uh, keep up the great work. And uh, we'll catch up again soon. Okay. Cheers, right, Adam. Take care. <laughs>